All right, guys, if you guys want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and we'll open in a word of prayer. Dear Father, we uh, just come before you now, just, just thankful for your word, Lord. Just thankful for the time you've given us here to be able to just come into your presence and just allow your word to speak to us, Lord. Um, I pray that you just empower this message, Lord, that you'd use me as a vessel of honor to just speak truth to your children who have come here today just uh, seeking you, Lord, um, as you desire to teach them, as you desire to grow them up in the ways of you, as you desire to change me and teach me, Lord. Um, and we just want your name to be glorified here. Above all else, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so I'll be honest, uh, this message was kind of a last-minute thing. I woke up, I got a, I got a text. I had got it the night before because I go to bed super early. I woke up to a message like, do you want to teach on Wednesday? And I was like, you know, 4 a.m., I don't even want to get up for, for work. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm thinking the last thing I'm going to do is teach a message. But, um, you know, as I got up and got moving and talked to the Lord, I'm like, this is awesome, Lord. I'm just excited that I get to come and teach your word and just have an opportunity to share your truth. Um, so I'm just really excited to be here every, t- every time I get a chance. I didn't get to teach yesterday because we were helping Steve. Um, so I'm just glad that the Lord gave me another opportunity. And, you know, I can teach you guys and teach everybody online on Facebook Live watching because, yep, because I told them that we'd be teaching today. Um, so as I reflected on what to teach on today, um, the Lord's just been really teaching me a lot over the last few months. And um, one thing in particular, um, he prompted me in an area that I've been, I think a lot of us this year have just been learning is, um, is death and priorities. That's what kind of stood out to me. So for this, this year, for myself personally, my wife and my mother-in-law and myself lost an aunt in a car accident. Um, last year, my wife's uncle passed away, and we all know here in church, we had Bo pass away, we had Margie pass away, we had um, Toby just pass away. So a lot of loss this last year, um, and, and it hurts, but it's good to have the, the body of Christ together. Um, so last week, I had someone actually on the day that Johnny called me and told me about Toby, I had someone come up to me and ask me a question. She asked me, um, how do you view God when something bad happens? I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, you're going to ask me this right now? Um, and I could sense like a, maybe a little bit of bitterness, but it was a genuine question. Um, so how do you view God when something bad happens like death? Um, and one thing I told her we have to remember is, um, is death was not God's design. God did not intend for us to die. We are created to be eternal beings, right? Um, death is just merely the um, consequence of sin that entered the world through Adam and Eve and in choosing death over the, the word of God. Um, as in Genesis 2.17 it says, But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall eat of it, and surely you shall die. So a lot of people have that misconception that you know, God is so mean that he lets people die, but in reality, in the beginning, when he created everything, they chose death. They were given clearly a warning. If you eat this, this will happen. So it's not like God is just punishing them or punishing us or our family members who have died because of anything. It's just the hand we've been dealt because it's been passed down through generation and generation of sin and living outside the will of God. Um... So the results of sin, as Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So for anyone to, to blame God for, for someone passing away or for death in general, um, or to hold him accountable for someone's death, or for anyone to doubt his holiness because of someone dying, is just simply a lack of faith in God. 
we're not trusting God, we're not taking God at his word, and maybe we're just not educated in who the person of God is. Um, because in fact, we know that Jesus is the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? So in fact, he is not death, he's life, and he created it. And we know every single person on earth will die in reality. You know, 10 out of 10 people, um, we're going to have the same fate, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we're tall, whether we're short, whether we're fat, skinny, white, black, it doesn't matter. We're all going to end up in the same place, which is six feet under, because of sin. And not one person escapes from it, because it's not a respecter of person. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, some stats on death. 151,600 people die each day in the world. 6,316 people die each hour. 105 people die each minute. And nearly two people die every second. So that's 55.3 million people die every year worldwide. So it's apparent and it's very real. And unfortunately, a lot of times it doesn't become real to us until it comes personal. Until a Toby dies, until a Bo dies, until someone's mother dies or someone close. You know, you might know somebody that has a friend whose their mom died and it's kind of sad. But when it really affects you is when it really starts to put things into perspective. And people fear it. You know, it can be our greatest fear. As Psalm 55.4 says, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. It's a scary thing. Even, even believers, I hear, are, are scared of death. Um, people spend millions of dollars every year trying to prolong life, trying to put off death through, you know, diet fads, workout programs, pills, medicine, surgeries, all these kinds of things. But it only pushes it off the inevitable. So now for the person who doesn't have their faith in Jesus Christ, um, death is the worst thing that can happen to them. It's terrible because they're going to be separated from God for all eternity with no chance at coming into his presence. Um, 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says, They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Matthew 13.50, And throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a scary thing. And of these people that die every second, two people die every second, there's going to be people that don't know the Lord that are going to perish. And it puts things into perspective for us. But for the Christian, the person who puts his trust in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made on the cross and raising from the, the grave on the third day, we shouldn't fear death because death is our victory. That's where we get to experience as we were to created to be, eternal with the Lord in his presence. John 5.24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. In John 11.25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Right? So we have hope in death. We have victory in death. And it's something I was talking to my wife about this last week and just reflecting on all these things that have been going on and all the losses, one person's greatest moment of their life in going to heaven can be someone else's worst day of their life. And it's just an interesting dynamic how that can happen. How one person is perfect, lacking nothing, no tears, no, you know, no crying, no pain, and the other person has nothing but the same thing. So it's an interesting dynamic in, in death. Um, but that's what the Lord has been communicating to me in this big picture, that when someone close to me dies, it, it puts it in perspective. The thing that really matters in life and then the things that really don't matter in life. 
kind of shows you the priorities. So today I want to take a, the perspective of um, looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And um, in the Bible it says the vanity of life. Um, but the message I have here is, I titled it, Letting Death Teach Us How to Live. Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So first we're going to read the whole section and then we'll go through it verse by verse. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls around continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full, to the place from where the rivers come, and they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said? See, is this new? It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. All right, so number one, we're going to go through verses one through seven. Number one, the thing that death teaches us is that the world just keeps going, whether we are alive or whether we are dead. The world is just going to keep on doing its own thing regardless of, of our situation and our status. Um, as illustrated in the section of Ecclesiastes, God uses creation to just kind of picture that, how it just keeps on moving. And I love the real, reality of verse 3, how it says, What profits a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? Uh, and then verse 4, One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. So one generation passes and another generation comes. I mean, it puts everything into perspective for you. How small of an influence Joshua Garland has in this world is just really put on display when you think about just the full spectrum of what that means. Because, I mean, this book alone has been around for over you know, 2,000 years. And I'm only, what, 29 years old? Like, my lifespan is nothing in comparison to what has come before me and what's going to come after me. In 100 years from now, no one's going to talk about Joshua Garland and the things he did in this world. But for some reason, you know, we live our lives in such a way um, that we're always trying to make a name for ourselves, right? Almost like we're trying to be the next one-hit wonder um, because we have the desire to be known and not to be forgotten. That's just in us for some reason instinctually. And what it is is just selfish. It's just a selfish motive. We live our lives for ourselves and ourselves alone most of the time. Um, we live for our comfort, our well-being, our needs, ourselves, our pleasure. And this became very apparent to me, you know, when I was a manager in 24-Hour Fitness. This was just, it, it blew my mind because I was one of the top managers in the region, top sales. I was going to all the meetings, getting all the awards, all the accolades, crushing numbers, crushing budget, helping grand open brand new gyms and all these things. And I mean, it's been three, three years now, three or four years, so I've been a manager and I'm a trainer, and nobody remembers what I did. Nobody remembers those little plastic awards I got four years ago that I put so much faith in, 
Nobody remembers how much business I sold personally in July of 2014. Like nobody knows and nobody cares because the world just keeps going on and you just get replaced and you just get forgotten. So we think if we're not around anymore, the world's going to be lost without us. What will the world do? What would my followers on Instagram do? Where would they get their motivation? Where would they get their, their posts from? Well, guess what? They're going to move on to the next person that's just like you, that's posting the same stuff, and they'll be fine. Well, what would my job do if I weren't here anymore? I mean, I work hard. I do the job of five people, and I'm very important at work. What would they do without me? Reality check. Companies have been around a very long time, and they're just going to replace you, and the world goes on. They've been operating just fine without us in the equation. But what about my family, right? What about my kids? What about my wife? What about my, my relatives? What about my, my church family, my grandkids? Eventually, we're all going to end up as a picture in a scrapbook in a dusty old locker somewhere in a tub on the top shelf that someone's going to find someday and say, oh, yeah, look at this. And that's going to be the remembrance of us. Oh, look at That's Josh. That's... That's Grandpa Josh over there. Remember him from, oh, that's a cool picture. Like, that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, just as this section says in verse 5, the sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place to where it arose. So for some reason, we think the sun rises and sets on us, but it doesn't. It revolves around the Lord. Verse 6, the wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls around continually and comes again on its circuit. Um, it doesn't matter if we're in the world or if we're out of the world. That wind's just going to keep doing what the wind has always done from the beginning of time when God created it till the end of time when it's, it's done. Verse 7, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from where the rivers came, they will return again. So just like the rivers in the, in the sea goes around in a continual cycle, it evaporates, it goes in the clouds, it rains, it flows, it evaporates, goes in the clouds, it rains, it flows. So are our lives. Everybody. We're born, we grow up, we live, we hurt, we cry, we die, we become buried, and become dust. And it's just a continual cycle, just like the water. But the earth abides forever. Now, I'm not trying to make everybody sad. I'm not trying to say you're irrelevant. I'm not trying to minimize your lives and say, well, you should just give up because you're just going to be in a scrapbook someday. That's not what I'm saying forever. But I'm saying the big picture is, why are we spending so much time on ourselves when our, our life is just so tiny in comparison to eternity? Why are we investing it in ourselves? Investing in the things that we want, we desire, the goals that I have, so that people can see us in a certain light and then forget us. It just seems kind of vain, as the author says here in verse 2, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, speaking of life. So if you're here one day and gone the next, as James 4.14 says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's our life. We're here, we're gone. We're here, we're gone, like a vapor. Why? What all this death has, has taught me in this last year is, you know, we're here for a limited time. And we need to make our time on earth about life. About the one that is life, about the one that abides forever. Our lives should be about Jesus and the work that he wants and his kingdom come on earth as is in heaven because he abides forever. Psalm 102.12, But you, O Lord, abide forever. 
and your name to all the generations. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 92, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Then Revelation 22.13, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. So those are things that are worth investing in, the things of God, because He lasts forever. He was before, is now, and forever will be. So our lives should be focused on Him. Our lives should be about pointing to Him, because He's the only thing that's going to last forever. He's the one that gives life. We should be spending what little time we have seeking any way that we can serve Him to see His will be done, to make sure that we're in the center of His will, progressing the kingdom of heaven. That is a cause that will last forever. That is a mission that will have an impact for generation to come and generation to come. The love we show people in our lives, right, that will last. Because as we love our children, as our children love their grandkids, as we love our grandkids, they're going to pass that love down from generation to generation because that love is of God because we know that God is love. Praying with the hurting as they weep and we weep with them. The times we share joy with people as they rejoice and we rejoice with them. The time we spend walking in the Lord's will, these are the only things that will last. Not our jobs, not how much money we sell in our sales position, not what kind of house we have that's eventually going to turn to dust, not what kind of car we drive that's going to get replaced. None of that's going to last. But the love we show other people for the Lord will. Because unlike our name, our life, our efforts, His name will never fade. His glory will shine until the end. And only what we do for Him will stand forever. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor of the Lord is not in vain. So anything you do for the Lord is not in vain. Every time you pray for someone, whether it's one person or a thousand people, it doesn't matter. It's not in vain. Even if no one hears you. Every time you read the word, it's not in vain. Every time you do a good deed to bless somebody, if you have the right motive, it's not in vain. These things are the things that are going to last. Sweet. So death teaches us that the world just keeps going. And then number two, my second point. Death teaches us nothing in this world will ever satisfy us. And this is verses 8 through 11. And I'll be easy. It's, it's, I mean, I'll be honest. It's really easy to get wrapped up in the things of this world. We try to build up the surplus of stuff. We try to gain lots of things so that we'll leave a legacy for people to remember us, for our children to have, to show for our lives, which is a great motivating factor, but we'll never have enough. It will never be enough for us. As it says here in um, verse... Where am, I, where am I at? Verse 8. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Some of us live in a world of constant repetition, right? Seven days a week, the same old thing, Monday through Sunday. You know, myself included, it's very repetitious. We start to long for something to interrupt the repetition because, honestly, it can get boring. 
We look for a new job because we're just not going anywhere and we're wasting our potential. A new relationship because maybe after 10, 20, 30 years of marriage, your wife, your husband isn't really new. They aren't really exciting anymore. A new house because everyone else is taking steps except you and moving up in the world and you just have your starter house, right? That's something that blows my mind. Like, I'd be blessed if I just had one house at any point in my life. Like, Lord, that'd be amazing. I don't need no starter house. Like, I'd be happy with one house. You know, but that's the way the world shows it. You got to get a starter house first and you get your bigger house once you get a family and, you know, these things that will never be enough. A new chapter of our lives because you, aren't, you just feel like you're not going anywhere and you have nothing to show for it. And we go through our lives trying to attain these things and attain these things and get promotions and get new jobs and, and get houses and get the newest edition car and save up our 401k and, and then we die. And then it's all vanity. It's all gone. Or some of us live in the world of constant change because of circumstances out of our control. We've always been bounced around. And, and I fall into this category myself but we long for some sense of permanence. The gym, working out on being the best version of me I can be. That's what I want to do. Motivate other people to love themselves because if you don't love yourself, who's going to love you? Right? I hear that a lot. A new health plan to try to attain the top tier of, fit, of fitness and health, to live as long as you can. Alkaline, super water stuff, right? Because live forever. Insurance policies, so we're set up for success even if something else unexpected happens. So we try to sell ourselves up. We try to outlast death, but eventually we die. And it's all vanity. And none of it will ever satisfy us. Try it. It won't. How much money do you think you'd need to be truly happy? One million? One thousand? One billion? One trillion? It's never going to be enough. You'll never be satisfied. There will always be that longing for something more. How much will it take? And I think of it today as I was doing this, I'm like, it's kind of, this is kind of a weird analogy, but it's kind of like Diet Coke and French fries. <laughs> right? The things of the world are like Diet Coke and French fries. Like, those are two of my favorite things to eat. I love drinking Diet Coke because my wife got me addicted to it. And now she doesn't drink it, so she's like left me high and dry. And I'm all like, I need some Diet Coke. And then French fries because they're amazing, right? So I'm like, I'm so thirsty and hungry. I'm dehydrated, I'm starving, I see some Diet Coke and French fries, and you drink the Diet Coke, and you're like, yeah, it's so refreshing, it tastes so good, but what you don't know is that Diet Coke is dehydrating your cells, and you become more thirsty, and you become more dehydrated, and you need more and more, and you're actually killing yourself because you're drinking more, and it's destroying your body. Then you're, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry, I just need to eat all French fries as my favorite food. Good, try to live off French fries forever. It won't work, because there's no nutrients. Your body is is hungry for something more, for nutrients, for vitamins, and it's just an empty calorie, and you'll eat, and you'll eat, and you'll eat, and you'll never be hungry, and you get bigger, and you get bigger because it's empty, and your body is deprived of nutrients, and it's deprived of hydration. It's just like the world. We see these things like, oh, this is so refreshing. This is so great. I want more. And it's like, oh, that's not enough. I want more. That's not enough. I want more. I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. And I remember, I'm sure I've shared this with you guys, but my big goal in life when I became a trainer was one time a manager told me, you can make $70,000 as a manager. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I want to do that. Like, that was my goal. I had written on all my goal boards, make $70,000. And I remember the day I got my W-2, and it was like $70,000 and whatever cents, right? And I was like, oh, man. I felt like I had been ripped off. 
I'm like, I don't feel like I'm any happier than I was when I made $40,000. I feel more stressed. And, well, I don't really have much more to show for it in my bank account. Where did all that money go? Like, oh my gosh, maybe I, now i got to make 80000 And then it just keeps going. It just keeps going. You feel like once you attain this certain level that you're going to be happy, but it's not because it's a lie. Because those things can't satisfy you. Just like Diet Coke and French fries. So we're starving and thirsting for our souls, for the things of God, but we settle too often for things that the world has. But Jesus says in John 4.14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him shall become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. Then also, the verse for our Tuesday is the bread of life, right? So man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? The bread of life, the word of God, the spirit of the Lord. These are the things that our body really longs for. But the world tries to twist it on us. So something that the Lord has shown me through this year and all this loss around me is how petty these things can really be that we put our trust in in the world. You know, sometimes me and my wife, we were talking the other day because... Um, we're just thinking about the next season of our lives, and we're like, when are we going to get a house? When are we going to get this? When are we going to move? When are we going to have another kid? All these things, and like, oh my gosh, maybe I should get another job. Maybe I should work the weekend. And we're all stressing. And then, and then Toby passes away. And I'm all, wow, Lord, I'm so wicked. Like, that stuff means nothing. It means nothing. Because none of that satisfies me. Like you do, Lord. Because it's the Lord that satisfies. It says in Psalms 107.9, For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. And it breaks my heart knowing that we get in that mindset of these things that prioritize above God. And When am I going to get this? When am I going to get this? I've got to move forward. I've got to move forward. And there's people in the world that are going to die in their sins today. Like that is the priority. There's people in this world that God wants to use us to minister to, to shed light on their, on their darkness, to bring them to life. And we're worried about, when are we going to move into a bigger place? Like, Lord, forgive me. When am I going to get that promotion? We have two people dying every second in this world, many of which don't know the Lord. Like, that's the priority. The Great Commission. And we see that this is nothing new, guys, as we see in verse 10 through um, 11. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, is this new? It's already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. So guys, we all struggle with the same things. And our struggles are all the same here. In general, it's the same as the generations before us, the generations before us, the generations before us. It's all the same struggle. There's nothing new. The stresses we have in our life are the same. It might be in a different packaging, but it's the same struggle. It's always been a power struggle, and it always will be. Fame, fortune, power, pride, money, sex, drugs. Since the beginning of time. Nothing new under the sun. We want to be God, is what we want. We want to control our lives. We want to call the shots. So guys, we should not be living our lives for ourselves. We should be living our lives for God's kingdom. Because in reality... reality, those people are going to die. And we only have such a short time to be an influence. And it's vastly more important than anything else that this world has to offer. But again, guys, the answer is also nothing new either. The answer to all of this 
It's not more of the same stuff the world wants to repackage and try to sell to you. It's Jesus. That's the answer. The one who saves. The one who gave us real life. Life eternal. As we look to him to see the world as he does, his desires become our desires. His wants become our wants. His thoughts become our thoughts. His ways become our ways as we align our our lives with him. He literally gives us his joy. And that is our strength, the Bible tells us. So in reality, guys, death teaches us everything we need to know about life. Because through death, that is how life was found in the first place. The death of Jesus on the cross is what gave us life. Through Jesus being born into this world, living the perfect sinless life, being falsely persecuted and crucified on our behalf to bear the weight of the, wor- the, weight of the world and their sins, to be separated from God for the first time in all eternity so we could experience what life actually is. And guys, that is the priority. That's what death should teach us. Is that that's what we should be sharing. We should be sharing with the world what life actually is because the world is full of death. So if there's anything to learn from death, it's the meaning of life, which is, what this, which is Jesus Christ. And it's simple and it's profound, but it's impactful when you just look at your life and you see what you're prioritizing here and you see what time you're giving to the Lord and what He's called you to do. And you make a, I'm a big list person. I like to do make pros and cons and, all right, this is what I'm doing for me and this is what, oh, man, that's not, that's not even, that's not even right. Lord, forgive me again. But luckily He gives us a new chance every day as His mercies are made new. And we can experience that life, guys. Through the blood that He shed on the cross for us. Through believing in His name. Through the grace that He gave us. Because we know what John 3.16 says, right? Everybody knows? What does John 3.16 say? Love the world. He gives his only begotten Son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Bible also says, you're saved by grace, by faith, not by works. Right? Through the, through the grace, by faith, and what Jesus did on the cross. Not by what you do, but by who you know. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that He raised from the dead, that you will be saved. And that's the stuff we should be sharing with the world. That's the things that we should learn from death, are those things. Maybe you don't have to be like me and be very you know, evangelistic and very bold and walk up to someone on the street or at work and say, start a conversation about the Lord, but plant a seed, be a light, be a salt, do something, right? Represent God, however way God's gifted you to represent Him. That's what we should be doing. So just like I do on Tuesday, you know, I want to give an opportunity here to anybody that maybe doesn't know what life is. Maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and you want to experience life. You're sick of what the world's been feeding you. You're sick of the lies and the repackaged trash that he's trying to sell you. And you want to experience more. You're hungry. You're thirsty for something real. You want that bread of life. You want that living water that only comes from him. And maybe you've never received that. Or maybe you've wandered away from him for a while. And you want to come back to that because you miss what being satisfied in the Lord feels like. You're tired of being ripped off. You're tired of settling for for second best of the world. And you're ready to come to the Lord's table and partake. 
So everyone wants to close their eyes and just bow your heads. And if there's anybody here that wants to receive life through Jesus, receive the sacrifice that he's given, I just ask that you would raise your hand. If anybody here wants to come back to him, just raise your hand. I see you. Awesome. Because you can have that through the blood he shed for you. You can experience life everlasting. Be delivered from sin and death and the curse. And stop believing the lies. If there's anybody online that wants to do that too, wants to receive life for the very first time and have security knowing that when you do meet death, because it will come, 10 out of 10 people, that there's a hope for you in heaven. So if that's you, I just ask that you just please just repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for being my Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and bearing my sins. Your perfect, sinless, spotless, and you took my place. And that's something I can never repay. And I receive this gift that you've given to me. So please, Lord Jesus, help me live for you. Guide me. Lead me. Change me into the person you desire me to become. Thank you for raising again on the third day, conquering death, so that I would never have to fear it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Any questions? Comments?